Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It will be a fight. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. It will be a fight we will win. But a lot less death. But there will be death. People should be actually kept out of the country for at least 28 days. America is not prepared. G'day ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Butterfield Effect. My name's Isaac Butterfield and welcome back for another fantastic week of talk and uh, absolute bullshit about everything that's happening in the world. Now, um, as a lot of you would be very, very aware, the last week or so for me has been an interesting one uh, indeed. Now... It has been, it has been very, very strange. It really, really has. <laughs> so basically, if you don't know what has happened, um, there's a joke that I have done, uh, and you can see it on these videos on my channel, um, the one about uh, being cancelled. Uh, go back and check that out if you're not familiar with it. But it was a joke I did about the uh, New Zealand massacre, a horrible, horrible massacre that happened about a year and a half ago. And there's a joke that I did. Um, <clears throat> people were saying it was far too soon. Well, the, the, the clip that you saw was filmed. Um, about eight, nine months after it happened, but I actually did that joke for the first time about three days after it happened. And a lot of people have been saying, hey, it's too soon, it's insensitive, it's racist. And and to those people, I, I basically outlaid in the video that I made, uh, it's obvious it's a joke, it's not real, it's pretend, it's make-believe, it's fiction. And um, if you can't understand that, then you're a very strange individual. You see that the big thing with comedy is when you enter a comedy room or a, a, night, a, a nightclub that's turned into a comedy room or a, or a theatre that is a comedy room for that night, you enter into an agreement with, with the act that, particularly if you know the act, like if you know that you're going to see Jim Jeffries, you know it's going to be offensive. If you go see Jimmy Carr, you know it's going to be offensive. If you go see, you know, any Melbourne comedian, uh, you know it's going to be shit. Um, or any other Australian comedian, you know they're just going to talk about how bad the trams are or how fucking exciting. But when you go and see me, you know I'm going to try and push the boundaries. And, and that's what I do. And that's what I did. And I think that if you can't deal with that and you can't understand that I don't mean the things that I say on stage, then that is on you. You are the one who has been offended. I'm not the one dealing out uh, the offence in this case. Now, a lot of the people who saw that clip, uh, they saw it for the very first time in their hands, a clip that was uh, stolen from my website and re-uploaded by a gentleman. Uh, and, um, and he made some very clear points about what he thought about the joke. But I think the big thing that, that I really... Uh, it came and, and hit me pretty hard. It was like, these guys are really looking into this joke. This was just a passing comment. It wasn't like I didn't do a 10-minute bit on it. It was, it was a 30-second bit uh, at most. Now, the big thing about all of, all of what has happened is when you're in a comedy room, as I said, you hear horrible jokes, but you take them as comedy because that's what you're there for. Whereas what unfortunately took place... Um, for a lot of people, particularly a lot of Muslim people, or a lot of people who had never heard of me before, or maybe they did, um, they saw this clip for the first time, you know, making dinner or, or sitting it on the lounge, and they see it um, with you know all the subtitles at the top saying, "Hey, um, 
you got to see this guy. He's horrible. He's mean. He's terrible. And they watch and they go, yeah, he is horrible, mean and terrible. And that was the first time they, they ever witnessed anything from me. And I guess that's why it, it went so viral. On the Monday and the Tuesday uh, last week, I received uh, 48,000 DMs, angry DMs, um, countless DMs on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, it was 580,000 people went to my Instagram and I only got uh, like an extra thousand followers. It was all hate. Um, but, you know, as cancel culture often does, it, it, it explodes and then disappears. And that is what has happened here. And this is the way to deal with cancel culture. If you are being canceled, don't apologize. Refuse to apologize, particularly if you know you've done nothing wrong, which I had. I, I was very aware that I did nothing wrong. I, I, I told a joke. There is no point in apologizing. All that does is give cancel culture more fucking ground to work on. And this is like even Ryan Reynolds, right? He had to apologize the other week because he, he had his wedding on, a, on a, a piece of land that used to be a plantation where slaves had to uh, do work without pay and they'd been taken from their homes and sold off to the white people. And, and he had to apologize because he had his wedding there. That's not his fault. Who is he to apologize about that? That's fucking ridiculous. So there's a lot of different topics that this, this conversation brings up, whether it's free speech, whether it's the freedom to make jokes, whether it's is every joke about a particular race or about someone who you think is stereotypically something is racist. Um, you know, it brings that conversation up. And I don't, think, I don't think jokes can be overtly racist. There's no hate. There was no hate. There's no hatred or no intent or no, you know, I was not intending to be hate hateful uh, in, in that joke it's merely a joke and the fact that we're still talking about it is pretty outrageous one of the things and the reason i wanted to do this podcast um with this gentleman that we're going to have on today is because i had a lot of comedians come after me as well i saw a lot of people on twitter saying this guy he's an open mic comic talking about me how does he get an audience with shit jokes on that like that a lot of people from melbourne upset in comedy forums and all this type of shit but there has been one man that i have seen consistently speak out against the uh the enormous um, wave of political correctness that has hit comedy. And he is someone who is in Melbourne at the moment and is around the Melbourne comedy scene. And he's outspoken about that particular scene. I thought he would be a great uh, person to have onto the show. He's been involved in the comedy uh, game in Australia for about 25 years now. He was on Rove Live back in the day. He's a very good, uh, good individual, a very funny man, an offensive man himself. And um, first time I saw him was probably about five or six years ago live. And I thoroughly enjoyed uh uh, what this, this this big dog had to offer. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show for the very first time, Mr. Chris Waynehouse. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Chris Waynehouse. How you doing, big fella? Good, man. How are you? Very well, very well. Now, you just said before, before the show started, you're in Melbourne. Uh, how's life down there under uh, severe luck, uh, lockdown regulations? It's crazy. It's a lot of drinking. Uh, I bet. A week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I didn't mind lockdown. Gave me time to just jump on the PlayStation, and and it was it came right at the festival time, so it was nice to sort of get a break from comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's, I'm getting over it now. Yeah, I got I mean, a bit of I got a bit of gaming in, and I'm not much of a gamer. I was playing uh, The Last of Us Two. Have you have you oh, been yeah, a part okay, of that? Yeah. I've got it. I haven't played a lot of it. It's um. It's good. I, I, I enjoyed the first version of it, The Last of Us, yep. the, the original. I thought that was really, really good. And, and I only just recently played that. Like it was probably, you know, six or eight months ago. And 
So I was really excited to see the second one come out. Unfortunately, it wasn't as good. Obviously, things are difficult to live up to uh, in, in the sequel, but um, they went yeah. a very strange, and I won't spoil it for you, but they went in a very strange direction with it. So a lot okay. of the people... I want uh, to get that uh, Skater FL or XL. What's that? There's a skateboard game. Did you ever play okay. Skate, the old one? Yeah, I think so. Fucking brilliant. But this one, apparently, is just a glitchy mess. So right. I'm glad I didn't fork out the 80 bucks. Well, I, I remember that was like my big game was uh, like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, oh, all yeah. those type of things back in the day. They were the best. I remember there was, a, there was some cheat code you could do and you could just like you defy gravity and you'd be up in the air and you just hit and kick flips and three... Who fucking knows? Yeah, moon physics, it was called. It was what? Moon physics. Moon physics, right. Mate, I used to hit some mad scores on that. Like the one where you, you run out like a bull's chasing you. Do you remember that level? Oh, a bull's yeah. chasing you around and you get... Um, anyway, mate, yeah. what a great game. It was a good game. Skate was the best. Skate 3 was the best ever skate game. But yeah, I mean, since um, since Red Dead Redemption came out, particularly first-person shooters and, and games where, you know, they have to have a storyline. And I think that's what they did with The Last of Us 2. It was amazing. It looked amazing. But um, the story let it down a little bit. But anyway, I'll let you decide that um, for yourself. Okay, well, I'll give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go. Why not? There's nothing else to do. So <laughs> in Melbourne at the moment, it's uh, are people scared, do you think? Oh, look, I don't. I really don't go out. I um. I just. I just. I go out for groceries, uh, alcohol runs, cigarettes, and uh, pretty much leave it at that. So yeah. there's nothing out there, and it's no. fucking freezing too. So. Well, that's what I. I didn't get the whole because right now you're locked down between what eight and five a.m. Eight and five a.m. I yeah. don't understand. Like, why? Like, what is there to do at eight and between eight and five a.m.? Everything's closed. Well, there's nothing open. Right, yeah. like, so it's it's pointless. I think I, I think the idea is to keep everyone within their five k limit, right? Which stops. So if at least it's confined to that area, I, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, um, the numbers. Are, the deaths are through the river. Seventeen today. I think it's the highest day ever. So, right, crazy. And I was reading that uh, a thirty-year-old died this week, which obviously is horrible. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if he was the gentleman or there was another 30-year-old that died. And, and that was the newspaper headline. They said, 30-year-old um, dies of coronavirus. And in the comments section, everyone's like, this is so... And it's become a political issue, which is strange. Yeah. Um, you know, this is so more dangerous. Why aren't people taking this seriously? And then it turns out that the newspaper's not reporting it correctly. The, the guy um, had stage four cancer at the exact same time and it's oh, like okay, yeah. okay what really took this guy out because he's stuck in hospital he's in you know um he's in all his body's going into failure and unfortunately and um i think even um i may be wrong here but i, I remember reading that george floyd's death uh, went down as a coronavirus death even though it was a, you know he was basically choked oh, wow. out yeah okay but he had um I could be talking absolutely out of my ass here, but he had coronavirus. <laughs> I know that for a fact. He had coronavirus and he was killed whilst having that. So that goes down as a coronavirus death. So Oh, he did have the virus. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that the reports? Wow. I didn't know that. So this new video came out about uh, George Floyd uh, this week. I think the Daily Mail, one of the greatest um, uh, purveyor of news in, in the world, uh, they came out with the whole video from the body cam with the police and, and it was interesting. I don't think that it'll 
uh, get the main dude off the the um, the first degree murder charge, but it may get the right. other guys off. Basically, what was happening was so there was a, a, a counterfeit bill involved in a shop. The okay. police get called. They uh, go to the car where George Floyd is. They pull him out. And at this point, he's panicking. He's freaking out. Um, he's, people were saying, I, I was watching uh, someone on YouTube talking about it, saying that the, the autopsy report and the coroner reported that he was uh, high on fentanyl at the time. Now, whether that is true or not, the, the information's out there for someone to find. So he was in a very bad way. They go to put him in the back of the police car and he starts freaking out. And he starts uh, being extremely concerned with being claustrophobic. And before the police yep. even touch his face, neck, back, anything, he starts going, I can't breathe. I can't breathe and yelling. And the officers are saying, hey, we're going to put the window down for you. It's going to be okay. And then it progresses from there to old mate having his knee in the back of his neck. And I wonder, right. I just wonder if that's going to put a question or a question mark in the jury's mind when it comes to putting this, uh, those police officers away if they do... Uh, end up being jailed. I I really think it does start to ask a few questions. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, there's a the definite care of duty lost by the dude with the knee on his neck. Yes. But um, if if you've been yelling, I can't breathe for God knows how long, then eventually you're just going to ignore it, aren't you? Well, that, so I used to work in like pubs and clubs, and the old uh, the adage was, if they can talk, they can breathe. And whether that is true, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, there was another dude uh, who was uh, who died in custody, an Aboriginal gentleman, uh, David Dungay. He was uh, the video of him. That was what the protest was going to be for his family for in uh, in Sydney um, just a few weeks ago. That the Supreme yeah. Court put an injunction against, and they were saying um, the, the, well, the video was suggesting that there was malpractice involved with the prison officers, um, and. Whether or not there is, like you, you, because you're holding someone down and there is a yeah. chance that something bad will happen in that situation. And I guess the question that everyone sort of is asking is with George Floyd and this other gentleman, would they have done that if they were black, if they were white rather instead of black? And was there malpractice in what they did? And, and I know from trying to hold people down when I was working in security, you know, holding someone who's in a big fight or whatever, people yeah. go fucking ballistic when they're trying to not be held down. So uh, I don't know, but it certainly raises some interesting questions. Well, it's a hard one because I I could only say, would I do it if they were black or white? I really don't know what another person would do. But uh, if it was on video, like you'd think that would be cut and dry, wouldn't you? So with with the Dungay's um, death, the a nurse comes in and puts a sedative into his uh, stomach or, or, or wherever he, she injects him. And there was a lot of people yeah. saying, this is, this is disgusting. Uh, this man has been drugged. But is that, that's the procedure that they follow. Like, okay, if it is wrong, then okay, I'm happy to take that on the chin. But then, you know, there has to be a lot of changes put in place. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't know. If, I, I would assume you would need a court order to drug someone. Unless it is an emergency, um, like at a, at, a, in a, at a hospital or something, but to control someone, I would assume, yeah, it's a very fucking slippery slope, isn't it? Well, I mean, both of these guys had violent pasts and they had been arrested for violent things, and maybe that weighs into it. Um, as you said, yeah. you can only really answer for yourself if you do something differently if someone's black or white. Um, 
I don't know. I, I've had this argument with myself and on videos as well. It's like, who thinks about someone's color so much? But then you sort of got to be introspective about it and realize that, you know, just because you're not a racist doesn't mean they don't exist. They definitely yeah. exist. And that's something well, that I've brushed over. <laughs> Sorry, say again. Yeah, they most certainly exist. Yeah. And I, that's uh, something. I really, I really believe they're few and far in between these days. It's not like the 40s and the 50s or fucking the early 19th, 1900s, you know, like it's uh, as, as the world progresses, it gets more progressive. Yeah. Should I say it's, yeah. uh, it's never been a better time or a safer time for fucking anyone. Anyone. Right. Yeah. And it's, um, it's one of the arguments that comes from the Black Lives Matter movement about uh, Aboriginals in Australia. They, they talk about in the 60s, they were, they were declared or they were classified as, as fauna and which is horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. but that was the 1960s. That's 60 years ago. Everyone who was making those decisions is now extremely old and they're getting their comeuppance with coronavirus. So I yeah. guess fuck them. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just don't think, and I'm on, I'm on, I'm on your side there. I just don't think that many people exist who still think like that. I just don't. I mean, no. I don't know. And, um, I, I guess you've got to be happy to see things getting better. Like if things were getting worse, I, I, then it's the time to fucking bark up. But as things progressively get better, isn't, I mean, that's essentially what we want to do. It might not be as fast as we're hoping, but at least it's in the right fucking direction. Mm, yeah. And, um, and that's one of the things that I, I worry about with uh, the attack on white people when it comes to just in general on, on the internet. Now I know when I talk about this, people start going, Oh my God, you're a white crybaby, get over it. You know, there's no such thing as reverse white racism. Now, if someone calls me a white so-and-so, that doesn't affect me. But for some people who are boring on the edge of, you know, a supreme racist or just a normal everyday person, if you attack them so much, push them up against the wall, they might come out and retaliate. And that's a fucking bad thing. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, any discrimination has got to be wrong regardless of what it is it's either all wrong or it's fucking none of it's wrong so you know and and it's almost like fighting discrimination with discrimination it's the same with the uh with the um when getting women into comedy uh there, there was a lot of booting men out of comedy that's kind of what they wanted to do it's well not they i'm getting a bit paranoid here but um (laughs) Well, a white, like a, a, sorry, an all-female lineup, as opposed, there's an all-female, an all-male lineup is a fucking accident. Yeah. Right. All-female is, is contrived and planned. And so, like, it's, if that's not sexist. So, on that, I mean, when I was, um, when I was doing open mics, um, like, five, six years ago, not that long ago, I looked, yeah. I looked at the comedy scene in Australia, and this is one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on because you're a, you're a veteran of the circuit. And I looked at the scene and I was like, man, I'm just some straight white dude who says offensive material. I've got no chance of being on Channel 10. So what's... You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the, That is such a difficult task for someone who looks like me and speaks like me. Like I've tried to write clean material. I'm not clever enough. All right, that's just, I'm just not, I'm just not smart enough. So I, I don't write clean material either, but no, I don't like clean material. No, nor do I. It don't, my brain doesn't work like that. But as a young person looking at that, I'm just like, well, where the fuck, where do I fit in here? 
And that's why I turned yeah. to the internet. Yeah, well, there is no getting on the fucking Channel 10. I mean, we don't even have comedy on television anymore. Mm. There were, at least uh, when I was coming through, there was Rove, so you could do a spot and there was always that option and they'd have one every week. So there's at least, what, fuck, 50 opportunities for a comedian. But, and there was a couple of shows like that, but now there's nothing. There's no, if you do get on television, they've got you baking a fucking cake or doing anything other than what you're good at. <laughs> you know, not highlighting your skills as a comedian. And there's no, and when you do have the, the gala on Channel 10, it's all, and I always say it's the same jokes. It's not the same jokes, but it's a similar vein. Like there's no one pushing boundaries or, or running anything risky. And that's just not something no. that I overly enjoy. You know, when I started yeah. watching... Sorry, go. When I started watching stand-up, I was watching, you know, I was watching Billy Conley. And then when I got older, I was watching like uh, people like Jim Jeffries with Alcoholicost. I thoroughly enjoyed that special. Yeah. And that sort of gave me the idea of, okay, I can be an asshole. But if I write clever jokes, I can be an asshole on stage and get away with it. Yeah, I, look, my character is a total dick. I've, I'm, my character on stage, he's just a fucking dick. And that's what, what makes it funny. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so long as people... I, I think today, too, a lot of comics, a lot of people believe that the, what the comic is saying, he, they are actually that person. They believe that. And, and I guess to a certain extent, a lot of comics do. But for me, it's all, it's all fucking make-believe and hypotheticals and yeah. taking the piss out of myself or someone else. Well, I guess you know, this, this, here's a question for you because I, I, I'll, I'll talk about what happened this week with Me Too in a moment. But uh, Well, not with Me Too. Thankfully, I haven't been Me too yet. Uh, I'm sure there's time. Um, but, like, it, do you think in comedy you can punch down if it's funny? Well, yeah, I am. Um, absolutely. Thank fuck. I think you can Thank do anything. I think, I think it's, the harder you go, the funnier it has to be. But you, yeah. can, you can do anything. I laugh at, I laugh at some of the darkest things. It's, um, but then I grew up, when I grew up with baby jokes, remember dead baby jokes? Everywhere. And they were fucking awful, but yeah. that's why they were funny. Yes. They, they were the absolute worst thing you could possibly say. Hmm. And, and it's what we laughed at. Yeah, and it's it's like the way I tried to, and my big thing this week, if you haven't been, haven't seen anything on my channel, is the uh, I did a joke about the New Zealand massacre, a very full on situation, and made light of it. Now, yeah. um, I said that, and when I wrote that, I thought to myself, "Fuck, that is so horrible and mean and rude." And I had that like sort of laugh in the back of my head. I was like, "Oh fuck, people are going to fucking hate me yeah. for that." And then I go out and do it, and everyone has the same reaction. They go, "Oh, that's horrible," and then they laugh. I did that yeah. in Melbourne at the comedy festival last year. Like I think it was like three or four weeks after it had taken place, and every yeah. single night people stopped. Uh, you know, groaned and then started laughing and then had an applause break after every show. Now, I don't want to be a dickhead and say, oh, I've got to applause break, but they did. And that proves the point that, yes, in fact, it was funny. People laughed at it. And that has to be the guide for what you tell on stage. If people laugh, then it's funny. Well, I, I saw that bit and I saw it get a big laugh. Um, what, what I think it means too, like some people won't find it funny. That's fine. But yes. what, what you're doing is you're entertaining your audience. This idea that you have to also cater for an audience that isn't even in your audience is bullshit. Yeah. Like people who don't like the joke will never probably like your comedy anyway. No. 
why pander to that if, if they're not going to see you? Hmm. This idea that we have to look out for an audience that's not even our fucking audience. And so find our own audience. I wouldn't, like, if I turned up to you and saw, say, in the net, I would be pissed off. I would expect dark comedy from. Oh. Or if you come to my show, my, my fans expect me yeah. to be wrong. And that's what people expect from me now and have since they first saw me. When I first did my first tour around Australia, people weren't too sure because they'd only seen this dude on like the internet. Yeah. And then yeah. afterwards they're like, okay, we sort of get who he is. And, 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 and I think that's important to sort of set, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll just tell jokes that I think are funny, regardless of whether yeah. they make people happy, sad or whatever. But the, um, the thing that I think blew everything up and blew everything out of the water was the, the guy who shared it he bought my special and then screen recorded it and then yep. um, posted it out on Twitter. So all these people who may happen to be Muslim or may happen to be New Zealanders uh, who were affected by this horrible thing, they're just getting this sent to them or seeing it on their uh, on their Instagram or in someone else's story. And all they're seeing is Isaac Butterfield, horrible man. They watch it and they go, yeah, he is a fucking horrible man. Like yeah. completely yeah. out of context. Yes. Well, that's the thing. You've got to watch the whole show to get an idea of the character you're dealing with. Hmm. I mean, sure. if you just watch the joke, it looks like it's a fucking TED talk and you're just saying something horrible. Yeah. If you watch the whole thing, you go, okay, this guy, that's what he does. That's he the takes type of humour. Yeah. I don't, I, it really surprises me that people take humour so seriously. It's, it's a fucking, it's a joke. You don't have to laugh at it, but you don't get to bitch and moan about it either. Some of the um, some of the main offenders when it came to people who were really upset and people who really broke down the joke, which I was just fascinated by how many people broke it down syllables by syllable. I was like, fuck, I said it. And then I moved on within a second. It was a 10-second yeah. bit. Stop fucking looking at it that hard. Um, it was other comedians, people from Sydney, main offenders from Melbourne, your neck of the woods. Yeah, I know um, the fucking precious down here. What's going on in Melbourne? There, like that scene is just awful. heinous. The scene is fucking awful. Well, I came from Sydney. I started in Brisbane, lived in Sydney, moved down to Melbourne. Um, some really good comics down here, but uh, a lot of shit too. It's a lot of very beige and vanilla. And the same old, same old, everyone wants to get offended. Nothing gets me more angry than a comic telling me that I can't do a joke. It's yeah. like, fuck off. You're in the same business. Don't mm. tell me what I'm doing. You do. You decide not to do it, that's fine. But just let me do whatever I'm going to do. But how does your how does your humour go down there? How, like, if you're offending people on stage, like, does that... Does that fly? Why? Well, I only work out in the burbs. Uh, the city's a fucking right off for me. But then there's nowhere that really pays down here. You've got the Comics Lounge, great room. <laughs> great room. Uh, Run by great uh, people too. And great, and that's a great audience. It's really, it's, a, it's blue collar. It's just a big mix. Mm. So you can do pretty much anything there, but uh, get into these tiny little open mic nights. They don't pay, so I don't, I, I can't be fucked doing them anyway. But, yeah. uh, and it's not my audience. It's really not my audience there. They're offended easily. It's it's just too much for me. Oh, it's um I've only done rooms that aren't my audience a couple of times. I did it in Perth and a mate of mine, uh, who you I'm sure you know, Kyle Legacy. Um oh, yeah. he uh he stitched me up and I was on my way to the gig. He just said, Do you want a spot? I said, oh, Okay, sure. And uh he stitched me up and told the crowd, listen, whatever he says, he thinks he's a big shot. 
don't laugh at a thing he says. Just keep your face completely still, no laughing. And I get up and I do I do bits that I know were working. I'd just done a run of like 12 shows or whatever in Perth and uh, I knew it was going to work. And I get up and this chick's just staring at me just through every bit. She's like just staring at me like with a big sad face. And I just treat her like someone in my show. I was like, geez, you're a real cunt, you know? And her friends <laughs> looked at her like, oh my God. I was like, oh, you've never been called a cunt before. This no, has never happened in your life. I, I don't think half these people have been in a fucking fight. I know. That's the thing. Like, they're just not in the real world. It doesn't no, exist. I, I think that's that's the whole problem with this can, uh, cancel culture now. It's, it's not so much that. It's, it's that we live in a society where we just want to fucking dob on people. We want to, if someone does something wrong, we just want to tell everyone about it and see how much trouble we can get some dude into. That means fuck all to us. Yeah, yeah. Put a dob on it. Let's see how much trouble we can cause. Well, that's exactly what happened with mine. So mine blew up. Um, I had 48,000 DMs on Instagram. Like mad yes, numbers. numbers. Crazy. And then, but you look at um, the, the- And awful stuff too, isn't it? Oh, like, like uh, you, you know, the one thing that got me was I know I talk about feminism and misogyny and all that type of shit, and half the yeah. time it's bullshit. But the misogynistic shit that people would send, like, I'm going to kill your wife, I'm going to rape your daughter. I'm just like, yeah. whose first response is that? Like, when you yeah. see something you don't like, who the fuck puts that out there? Because someone said something they didn't think was nice. So that, that's their go to. What a crazy a reaction. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's <laughs> all that. It's like, what? What type of mental midget would even think that's a, <laughs> just run out of the, out yeah, of the and, blocks? And then it's a lot of young kids that are talking like that too and they're being brought up in cancel culture to know that um, if you hear something, as you said, if you hear something you don't like, the best thing to do about it is to dob, whinge and make as much yeah. noise as possible. But, yeah. um, and I, I think that that's, that's, that's a concern for, for, for areas like Sydney and Melbourne and for scenes like the comedy scene. Like, Man, I, I, I don't know. I did, um, I did an open mic night. Just, I was just desperate to get on stage in Newcastle. It was a good night. Um, yeah. I, I tried a new 20 minutes. Probably about 12 of it bombed extremely hard. Um, and uh, I kept eight, which I was very happy about. I hadn't been on stage yeah. in like six months. And then I see on Twitter uh, last week, some dude tagging me saying, oh, he was at this open mic night and he did a joke about how... Harvey Weinstein's the girl that he sexually assaulted actually got a pretty good deal out of it and he's a piece of shit. And I'm just like, what, you're dobbing me for that? Like, I don't really, I don't mean that shit. Are you serious? Like, yeah. what the fuck? And he it probably, it's, it's, I mean, this is, a, he's getting the rough gist of what you said, right? He's missing the wording. He's, he's it's taken a rough, rough idea of it. It's like, yeah, these fucking idiots. It's like, God. You won't win. <laughs> what do you do, though? You what do you do? Win. No, it's, um, I, I mean, I've got a couple of clubs here where if I want to try material, I go. Uh, if that scene ever fucking cranks up again. Yeah. I do most of my stuff overseas or um, I do comedy on the ships and all that sort of stuff. Um, or just out of, out of Melbourne. Mm. Comics lounges or out in the country. A lot of country gigs and they're really good. Yeah. Country people are just great. And they take a joke. They get they, it. They just get it's a joke. Yeah. They're not offended. Like, hey, you cheeky bastard. That's all they're thinking. Mate, if you go, like, Queensland, where you're from, they're fine. Yeah. They're perfectly yeah. fine. Not a worry. You can say anything. Um, Sydney, it's sort of just the, the more south you get, the more, like, uh, they start to freak out a little bit. You know, Sydney's not yeah. too bad. Depends which suburb you're in, I guess. 
And then you go to Melbourne. If you're in the CBD, people are just freaking the fuck out. That's why I just try and play the comics lounge or whenever when I'm down there, just so that. Well, it's the um, only place to play in Melbourne. It really is the only decent room. Yeah. And the only one that pays. Yes. And but they their attitude, like they messaged me during the week and they're just like, don't worry about these fucking idiots, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's their attitude with comedy because they know who I am as a person. They're, you know, I've had yeah. a, I've had not a heap of time with them, but you know, a couple of hours here yeah. or there after shows, and they know that I'm not some fucking asshole. And so they yeah. look at me and they go, Okay, well, he's just joking, he's a comic at the end of the day, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. And I am. I just said there should be there should be room for dark comedy. Yeah. There's definitely there's definitely a need for it. It's um I, I understand if you if someone doesn't want to be a dark comedian or doesn't want to watch dark comedy, hmm. but that doesn't mean other people don't get to. You don't cancel something because you don't like it. But like if if you're around if you're around your mates, like the yeah. jokes that get my mates laughing the most are the most heinous shit imaginable. The stuff that gets my wife laughing is the most heinous shit. Yeah. Possible, you know, and and her back to me too. Yeah, exactly. We know we're kidding. Yeah. And we can say anything. Exactly. You know, you, and that's the same thing. When you, you, you enter that contract with someone, you know that, okay, yeah. they aren't a crazy person. Like if some, like if I was, as you said, doing a TED talk and I brought that yeah. bit up, then okay, I deserve to have a lot of fucking hate given my way. Yeah. But when it's all pretend and make-believe, yeah. it's all good. How can you be yeah. bad? I, I think so. It's, um, I, I hate the idea that there's, any restriction on, on comedy. I, I think some topics, some comics can't talk about because they don't have the skills to talk about it. But if, yes. if you're a good comic, well, I don't really see there's anything you can't talk. Ricky Gervais. Yeah. He'll know fucking anything and he's great. Mm. And that's... Like and that's never, sorry. People still offend it. Yeah. Which is fine. He doesn't care. And, but that's the point. If the point is to be offensive. With those type of yeah. jokes, you know they're offensive. That's the whole idea. Yeah. And I, I said this uh, the other day. It's like you—it's almost a competition with with when you're doing a show of where you go to as far as how far you go with certain jokes. And it's up to the audience whether or not they're funny. And a good comic will test something out, realize that no one laughs, whether it's offensive or clean as fuck, and then throw it away. I think a lot of yeah. people in Melbourne. Uh, and in Sydney, and I've seen it in open mic scenes, they do five minutes one week, it bombs hard, and they do the same five minutes the next week and the same five minutes. You've got to be a good comic and let shit go. If it doesn't work, fuck it off. Or rewrite it. It's a bit of both, I think. I think it's it's writing material, but also honing material. Sure. Um, because jokes, they, they evolve. I've, I have 10-minute bits that started as a one-liner. Yeah. And just throughout my career when I can't, when I'm going through a mental block or something, I'll just go to something that's already working and just add to it. Yeah. Cause it's already there. The yeah. idea is there coming up with a premise. I could sit all day and not even come up with a fucking premise. Yeah. But when you've got one, the, just the, jump on the back of it. The premise that I, that I used for the closer in last year's special in antihero. Um, it was something I wrote, and I performed the first time I, I ever met you. And uh, I don't know if you remember this at all, but it was at the Sydney Fringe Festival in probably 2016, maybe. Oh, yeah. I, I came to see, uh, I was doing a show and I'll come and watch uh, your show before mine. And it was a Wednesday night 
out is it Marrickville out there and um, we had two people in our audience it was a great night um but I sh a, a, sh a joke I did there which just didn't do well like I was only into into stand-up for like two or three years at this point yeah. um that that ended up being once I worked out how it worked and how to work it in with what I was doing that came to be my closer for last year's show and it's funny yeah, how right. something that sticks around for long enough and you work on it long enough, yeah. it becomes something... And also, there's some jokes that you write that don't work. Um, and if you shell them, later on in your career, once you've got the... You learn the skills how to... You go, oh, fuck, I know. Of course that joke didn't work. I'm yeah. delivering it like an idiot. It's yes. got to, I've got to put this first and that. And then you just go, oh, fuck, it's so easy. And then it becomes a great joke, a brand new joke almost. Yes. Well, like, yeah. the, like the whole thing with the... Um, with uh, the bit that went viral and the cancellation bit, the thing about the Christchurch thing, like the preceding that was reasons why I had people had tried to cancel me in the past. Yeah, and, right. And that was thrown in. So, like with context, you go, okay, this guy's going from offensive to extra offensive to as offensive as he can get, and that yeah, it sort of makes sense. But you know, I'm I'm by no means a clever writer or anything like that. Uh, I think I'm good at what I do, but people were comparing and saying, listen, you're not Ricky Gervais. You can't do that. And it's like, well, how do you think Ricky Gervais got to where he is? Do you reckon he just woke up one day yeah. and said, I'm going to start how writing this shit? How many people were you performing to in that show? Sorry, what was that? How many people were you performing to in that particular show? Uh, at 16, 1,700. Okay. And you got them all laughing like Jesus. Like Yeah. That was my biggest yeah. show I've ever done. And I was stoked to have all those yeah. people. I was, it was, it was insane. You know, as I said, like a couple of years ago, I was, I was on uh, the same night as you in Marrickville and I had two yeah. fucking people in the crowd. And then in Sydney, four or five years later, I've got 1600 people paying good money yeah. to come and see me. Insane. That's um, great. Oh, mate, I, I'm very, very pleased. But, um, but yeah, as you said, you get all those people happy, laughing, having a good time. And yet it's not funny. Come on. Well, it's not funny to someone who wasn't there, really, isn't it? I mean, that's it's, and I guess you've just got to give it that that much energy. Exactly. They weren't there. Fuck You're it. not going to like it. They're never going to buy your uh, album. No. So, so why would you even pander any further? Well, that's why <laughs> well, I didn't apologize. That's why I didn't yeah. apologize. I don't want to. I don't want to appeal to people like that who freak out over everything. Fuck that. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't, as soon as you start apologising for jokes. It's, you mate, you're not worth what you, you wait and whatever, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you a, a question about, because you are, well, as far as Melbourne, people in Melbourne who do comedy goes, you're very outspoken. No one else speaks about anyone at all, you know, unless you're yeah. trying to cancel someone. What is the reaction yeah. to people like yourself who, who question the status quo going on there? Um... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really care. You know, if, if I see something that I feel strong about, I'll say something. But that's what I, that's why I got into comedy. Yes. I thought we could do that. We could be honest. Hey, I think this is bullshit. It's, um, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's someone can either explain why it isn't bullshit or agree with you. You know, it's, it's either way, but uh, there's this, there's this kind of fear that you will get, ostracized quite a bit and i do to a degree there's there's places that won't book me mm. um but you know they pay five bucks so yeah. who gives a shit, gives a shit. why it's not I don't book, time. yeah like it's, it, it, so long as i can get work mm. i'll get work despite of it despite them 
So, so that's all that really matters to me. And I surround myself with people who are outspoken and are funny. Mm. So I can have a frank conversation with someone. If I don't like something, I, I'm with a, the kind of person where I can say, hey, that's shit, and not get offended. What about for, for young blokes coming up in, in those scenes? Do you see these, these dudes a bit concerned about what they can talk about? Like, are they, are they you know, walking on eggshells? There's, a, there's a quite a few young, young open micers down here that just don't give a shit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they just, but they just do their own comedy. They're still learning, so they're not, they're not as funny as they could be, but they're, they're becoming funnier and funnier as they go. Um, but then there's this very style of comedy that is very safe and very, and it's almost men are, oh, I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm, they're almost getting you to feel sorry for them, mm. you know, which I hate. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Well, I, guess, I got really today. It's like, oh, fucking grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, 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 man, that manly sort of attitude where you walk out and you're like, right, this is what's happening, yada, yada, yada. If you're aggressive yeah. on stage or you have a strong stage presence, people fucking hate that. People freak yeah. out, you know, like at that open mic night that I did the other week, I started yelling at someone in the front row and, and everyone was just like, they were taken back like I was angry. They're like, oh, were you all right up there? I was like, yeah, that's just sometimes what I do. Yeah. If, it, if a joke doing. bombs, you've got to do something. Well, I don't, I don't want people talking about their feelings because I don't give a fuck. No. I, just want, I just want to hear a joke. Yeah. I'm here for you to make, make me laugh. Yeah. Fuck what you think or, or how you felt yesterday. <laughs> well, that's that man. You know, with with with. Uh, I hate to get, uh, argue on that. Well, not argue, but but always go back to this point about Hannah Gadsby. Like her special was, uh, it was a TED Talk mixed with comedy. And if people enjoyed that, then that's fantastic. It wasn't yeah. for me, whatever. But don't go to a comedy show expecting everyone to make a valiant point, a great point about yeah. everything, and and try and change the world. Sometimes you just want to tell about someone jerking off on someone. Like who gives yeah. a fuck? <laughs> Or whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, Hannah Gadsby, um, I didn't find it funny. And that's not to say it wasn't funny. It's just not my style of comedy. Yeah. I but, just don't find it funny. But you're, so, you're, you're she wouldn't find my comedy. No. And you probably wouldn't comedy. like you wouldn't like her music. You wouldn't like her music style and she wouldn't like yours and whatever. She wouldn't like the same games as you, you know? It's just different yeah. people, different strokes for different folks. I think so. I think so. Good honour. I'm glad she's doing well. I'm glad you're doing well. Thanks, bro. It's, uh, it's, it's good to... It's, it's, I mean, it's a great job. It is. It's wonderful. It's a great job, and, I, and I've, I've done it for 20 years without having a real job, you know, and, and I've travelled the world. It's, it's so much fun. Man, it, it's all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid was this, and to find a way to do it was just, was just amazing. Like, I know a lot of people look down on the whole um, the YouTube way to do it, but I'm telling you, it fucking works. It's the best way to reach people. Like look, oh, look, yeah. at, like, look at right now. I can reach all these amazing people who have taken the time to subscribe to my channel or whatever, and I can do it from sitting in my fucking house, in the bunker, you know? Like, yeah. it's, just, <laughs> it's the best way to do it. And I was, you know, I was in Newcastle and I'd have to travel two and a half hours, two and a half hours back just to do five minutes for free, or I can yeah. make a 10-minute video and it can be seen by a million people potentially. But yeah. it just makes so sense, right? You, you just made your own videos. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. 
So I, you know, I, I was started, I started opening for some guys who were big on YouTube at the time. And I thought, well, why don't I yeah. just do this? I want to be a yeah. comedian, but doing the open mic scene just ain't cutting for me, you know? Yeah. Look, it's, um, it's, especially when you're doing it your own way, you get to do whatever the fuck you want to do. You're not, you're not subject to the rules and fucking hoops you got to jump through to get into the Melbourne Comedy Festival and everything else. It's, it's, uh, and you find your audience and just give them what they want. Yeah, people. I felt really sorry for um, what was it? Uh, who's that? Kevin Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's so racist because it was from the fucking eighties. Yeah. You know that everyone was doing it back then. Like it's, it's not saying it's right, but that it was, it was on main television. That's that's what the culture was. Fast forward, all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, just how it was. Fast forward, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a, a sketch comedy show, right? And um, yeah. there's there's brown face in there and all that type of stuff. People would, they wouldn't cop it now. Also, look, Kingswood Country, all those, um, yeah. all that, that was a part of our, that was a part of our history. That's that's where comedy came from. It's 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 uh, evolved hmm. as, as everything does, but it started off like everything, started off really basic. Mm. And to go almost, back, and try, almost dumb. But. Yeah, but, and that's, that's I guess that's how you lure people in. It's with anything you you show them what they want, and then you sort of lure them in, yeah. trust them, or they trust you rather, and then you give them what you want to give them. That's certainly yeah. the way I sort of angled my marketing of myself. You know, I'd make videos that I know would go well, and then I'd talk about subjects that are a bit fringe, just yeah. so that I could make what I wanted to make. Um, but. My, my, my point in the whole thing is if people are listening to this who are a young comedian, man, you have got male, male, female, male, whatever you happen to be, get your stuff online and make some stuff and talk about some shit and write some jokes. It is, I know people will look down on you and they'll judge you and they'll think you're not a real comedian. Fuck it. Get on there and do it. It's the best way to reach well, well, there's no money to be made in the club sets. No. There's no money to be made in clubs anymore. Unless you're doing your own show. Or you're, tr- or you're touring, um, you can't stay still and make money in a fucking club. No, no one's paying. Unless you're in New York and you can do five sets a night, what city unless, is that? Yeah, we have what? Melbourne has one major fucking club. In the, mm. And Sydney has what? A couple. Yeah. Brisbane has one. Mm. So, and a shitload of open mic nights. Yeah. And they're all free too. Oh, so you won't get any cash. Yeah. No money. It's a, it's a tough, I don't know why people, I don't know why I try to do it. Yeah, I would have done it. I, I'm just terrible. I'm fucking 50 years old. I, I look at computers and that. I was, I'm really surprised I managed to get the Zoom going. You nailed it. You nailed it first go. I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> yeah. what's, what's next for you? Once, well, obviously you can't get on cruise ships for the next 10 years because they're fucking... Yeah, God. I really don't know. I'm, I'm writing a, uh, a, with David Tolk and Matt O'Neill. Uh, we're writing a sitcom based in um, the gold mining days. Okay. Like 1850s. So we're going to try and get a bit of... It's, it's fun because we're doing a bit of looking up a bit of history and and getting into that. So um, it's that's just keeping us busy for now. And hopefully cool. that'll go... I've got a movie role next year. Well, um, what? It was meant to be this year, but uh, with the bushfire stopped it and then the corona fucked it completely. So... Um, What's so what, like, what movie? What are we talking? Over next year. It's called Ridgey Ditch. 
Okay. Um, I probably shouldn't fucking talk too much about it, but it's okay. uh, yeah, great script, great, great. script. Australian and, film, uh, obviously. Australian film, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I've never role in that. So I've never really done acting before, but so that'll be a bit of fun. You're good. Yeah. It's um, I did some voiceover work for some guys uh from uh, Stepmates in Melbourne there, and and that they've got a new show coming out on uh, Channel Ten. And to the acting point that you were just saying, like, I'd never done any acting or voice acting. And, man, I was there for fucking hours for this, like, yeah. four or five pages of dialogue, just doing the same line over and over again, just yelling it, now doing it softly, now scream it. It's just like, oh, my God, I'd much rather just yell at a camera or do an hour set on stage and then be done for the day. So yeah, much easier. Yeah, that'll do. Hey, uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Where can people... You're welcome, man. You're welcome. Thanks, brother. Where can people okay. find you? Uh, well, on uh, Facebook, I suppose. I'm under the name Rank Phantomus now because I call so much shit. What's What's the go with that name? Uh, I just I just got sick of people getting onto my wife and attacking right. anyone I know just because I call them a cunt here and there. And they so, do um, do that. That's what one thing with cancel culture is. Yeah. They will go after everything they can. Man, I had so many people going up to like sponsors of mine of my videos and saying, do you agree with what he said? Do you think this joke was funny? It's like, what the fuck do you want them to say? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, so I go under the name Rank Phantom. I saw Chris Waynehouse on Facebook, Twitter. I never get onto Twitter anymore. That's just... It's a mess. I don't even dip my toe in that fucking pool. <laughs> It's a fucking anxiety infusing. You look at that joint, you think, who the fuck are these people? And what is going on? Oh, yeah. It used to be so much fun, though. I used to use it as a joke writing exercise, and it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and a really good tool. But now it's just so fucking angry. Mate, just stay, stay locked in your house. It's the only safe place. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Chris Waynehouse, thank, thank you very much. Thank you, man. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you for your support as well. We do appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Waynehouse. If you haven't got onto Chris, go and check out his clips on YouTube and go and follow him on all his social medias. We will link them down below. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Be a good motherfucker. Peace and the least bit extinct. I'll see you all very soon. Toodly wah wah bye. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.